Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 82 is entitled Repentance. The feeling of true repentance is like listening to the rain on a tin roof, knowing that the earth is being baptized, that the dusty air is being cleansed, that flowers are being watered, that the leaves on the trees are being polished, and that all of nature is being refreshed. The mountain streams carry away the stagnant silt. The grass grows from brown to green. The thirsty earth turns its face to heaven to partake of the holy sacrament. And suddenly the heavy clouds unfold like a curtain, and the bright sun shines through and smiles its benediction. St. Peter said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter 3, 9 The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines repentance in the following way. To turn from sin and resolve to reform one's life, to feel sorry for something done. Synonyms for repentance are Regret, feel contrition for, lament, remorse, sorrow. Of course, there are different kinds of sorrow. Sorrow for getting caught, for example. Imposed sorrow that comes from consequences imposed by others. Many kinds of sorrow may lead us to change our behavior, and each, I suppose, must be measured by its own merits. If a doctor says to a heart patient, quit smoking or die, that is one kind of repentance that often gets immediate results. But there is a godly sorrow. Paul said, Now I rejoice not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance, for ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. 2 Corinthians 7, 9-10 Repentance to salvation is the theme of this podcast. By repentance, I mean the ability to change our direction through the power of faith made possible by the atonement of Christ. No one was designed to fail. No one was sent to this earth only to have to suffer in hell. Though unequal in faith and circumstances, no one is unequal in potential. That is why only God can be our judge. If we understood law, we would repent every day. If we understood judgment, we would thank God every day. Repentance includes forgiveness. Forgiveness has been largely overlooked as a source of freedom. God forgives us to free us from the punishment of the law. We forgive ourselves to free us from a self-imposed prison. We forgive our enemies not to ease their conscience, take away their sins, or free them from punishment. We forgive our enemies to free ourselves from their evil clutches. Only God has the power to forgive sins. If our enemies repent and seek God, then we are thrice blessed, but it is not relevant to our own freedom. After giving the Lord's Prayer, Christ teaches us this great truth. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew six fourteen through 15 We forgive others that we may with confidence call on Christ for our own salvation. We should not keep ourselves in bondage until our enemies ask for forgiveness. We do not even have to tell them of our decision to forgive them. 
that is up to them to ask. Some are as black with sin as coal, and our tears like rain merely make their black sins shine blacker. A dead conscience is past feeling. However, our hatred, even if justified, does not bind our enemies to hell. Their sins do that for them. Our hatred binds us to our enemies, and if we allow it to fester, it may allow our enemies the power to pull us into hell after them. The only power that can break those chains is our own forgiveness. Christ forgives others to free them from hell. We forgive others to free ourselves from bondage. Forgiveness of our enemies and of ourselves is our key to freedom, and we hold the keys in our own hands. Our enemies have no right to the keys of our agency. We are too quick to relinquish the keys of our own freedom to those who hate us. Repentance of sin and forgiveness are integral parts of the law of creation. But the perfect law of liberty goes much further. It puts all responsibility for one's actions upon oneself. We are not to be controlled by our surroundings. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Matthew 5, 43-44 Remember the context of the Sermon on the Mount? The Jews are effectively slaves to the Romans. They live under Roman law. They have been in bondage to one nation or another for hundreds of years. They have no allies. They have no army. And they are not powerful enough to deliver themselves by force. However, as Jehovah did with the twelve tribes of Israel in delivering them from the bondage of the Egyptians, he is doing now for the Jews in delivering them from the bondage of the Romans. It is not an external deliverance. That would not come for several thousand years. It was a spiritual deliverance. The Savior delivered the twelve tribes through the law of liberty. He is trying to deliver the Jews through the perfect law of liberty. Just as the twelve tribes rejected the law of liberty by demanding kings, the Jews rejected the perfect law of liberty by crucifying their Lord and Deliverer. They ignored the Savior's words. Years later, they attempted a coup and were virtually destroyed and scattered throughout the world. It could be loosely said, I suppose, that the law of liberty protects us from the enemy without. Thou shalt not kill, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, covet. And the perfect law of liberty protects us from the enemy within. Love the Lord and love thy neighbor as thyself. The law of liberty can be mandated by secular law. The perfect law of liberty can only be mandated by conscience. The price of freedom is very high, but the rewards are even higher. Eternal agency, eternal freedom, eternal joy, eternal love, and eternal life. We too often think that such blessings only begin in heaven, but they actually begin in the here and now, though on a less perfect scale. Today on my walk with Linda, we passed a familiar farmhouse with two dogs that always chase us. They are sisters, identical in every way but one. One is friendly and will run along beside you and allow you to pet her. The other is an unpleasant puppy and will sneak up behind you and bite you on the leg. Later, the vicious one had to be chained up, while the happier one was allowed her freedom. We, for obvious reasons, often think of repentance as a negative thing to be avoided or even see repentance as an affront to our pride and self-respect. Regret makes us vulnerable, a position few people like. Repentance takes enormous courage, equal to any battlefield. Remorse, for example, is a very unpleasant sensation. Regret, sorrow, contrition, shame, guilt, embarrassment, humiliation, 
sometimes mortification, self-condemnation, self-debasement, and even self-punishment. Sometimes repentance requires public confession or ecclesiastical counseling. Sometimes the penitent needs objective advice to avoid extremism. However, along with the law of liberty, the perfect law of liberty, the law of equality, and the royal law, there is another law that will give us freedom equal to all four laws, the law of repentance and even confession when called for. Being born again is a familiar Christian term, but in the realities of this life, daily repentance may require being born again and again and again. That is what the prophets call the refiner's fire. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Malachi 3, 1-3 But the rewards far exceed the suffering. We shall conclude this podcast with the words of Peter. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. 1 Peter 1, 2-9 Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.